Welcome to church. Will you stand with us? Glad that you're here this morning. Let's sing praises to our King. Thank 
right. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing today? Good. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We've been looking forward to it. Uh, it's our favorite time of the week here at Kavanaugh when we all get together and have fellowship with one another, come be, coming together to be able to worship and grow together. It's good. I hope you've been able to connect with a little bit, catch up on your week, and kind of see how each other have been doing. But it's good to be in the Lord's house, and uh, we know that God has a lot in store for us today. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, Christmas time, it's always fun. Great time to celebrate, too. Um, but we would love to get to know you and your family. So in the chair back in front of you, there's a little Connect card. Fill that out. And then right after service, you can take it out these back doors. There's a little Connect table. We have a gift for you. Uh, and we would love to tell you about our church and where you and your family could get plugged in. All right? You all ready? You guys sang good so far. And I know the worship team has more for us for you to join along with. But before we do that, I would love for you to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and again, so thankful that we can come back to this place, our, our church, and be able to worship you, God. I know so, so many places throughout the world right now that there's not people that can freely gather and worship as they want to, but Lord, we can, and Lord, we want to just show that appreciation now that we, we are here in this place ready to, to receive you with open arms. So Lord, speak to us today. Be with Brother Will as he, as he um, brings the word, God. Open our hearts so we can be the people that you want us to be, God. Help us to be in pursuit of you always. Just as the, um, the angels opened up that skyline in, in that Bethlehem hillside, and those shepherds came in pursuit trying to find you, God, I pray that's our, that our, that's our passion as well. We are constantly looking for you, finding you, coming to adore you for who you really are, our Savior, our King, and our best friend. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in just a couple moments. guys can be seated just for a moment. We want to welcome our missionaries. Looking for our pastor. Here he comes. We want to welcome our missionaries. If you guys want to come with Brother Johnny and go ahead and make your way up. Let's give them a round of applause as they come. Here today because I'm, I'm back. It's like a political gear. I'm shaking hands like you're going to vote on me or something, you know? Welcome, church. Everybody good? Yes. Fantastic. Th this year, we are giving to adopt a missionary kid, and we are supporting our home missionaries. Last year, we did half of the home missionary families. This year, we're doing the other half of our home missionary families. Johnny, that's 35 kids, and then we're also helping 45 kids from Puerto Rico that go to our school there. Now, all of these home missionaries, are, they're as far away as 10 buck to America. And uh, therefore, they're unable to come and be with us. But we are so glad to have the Sherman family with us today. They're over in that foreign field called Oklahoma. <laughs> they're in the city of Ardmore. They're revitalizing a church. Uh, 
We had Brother, Brother Luke with us a few Wednesday nights ago, and he was able to preach to us and share with us. At that time, they did not have this beautiful little baby that we have today whose name is Eden. Isn't she beautiful? Give Eden a big hand. Delaney was here, but she didn't have Eden in hand, all right? And now we have this precious, wonderful little baby. We're so proud of you guys and thankful for you. Thank you for bringing Eden here for her very first Christmas so that we could spoil her. And Brother Johnny, they've done that, haven't they? They have spoiled this precious girl today. Luke, I'm going to give you a mic and ask you if you would just give us a little update from Ardmore and what's happening in the church since you've been here. Yeah. You bet. So yeah, so since we've been here, uh, we had Eden, obviously, and there's another family in our church who also had another baby um, right around the same time we did. Um, so in the matter of really a couple of days, our church went from having no babies to having two babies, and so now we had to do a full nursery remodel um, to be able to hold the room for the babies. And so it's been a really exciting time at our church. Um, things are really moving forward. We're about to bust out a wall in a classroom to make room for all the kids that we are now having in service. And so the Lord is moving, um, and He's just blessing us tremendously, and we can't do it without the support of you guys. And so we really appreciate it. And you guys don't understand how much um, these past couple days have meant to us and um, the impact that it's had on us. We, we really can't thank you guys enough. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Now, I, I don't know if y'all remember when they were here, Luke was a, an all-star great baseball player. Delaney was a superstar softball, softball player. I wonder what Eden is going to do. There is no, there's no telling, right? So thankful for you guys. Glad that you're here. Give the Shermans another big hand. Thank you. They're, they're going to, Brother Johnny, you can take them. They're, they're going to be with us in this service, and then after service, they'll be in the lobby. Well, again, most of the home missionaries we're helping this year are unable to come to Fort Smith, but we're already getting responses from them. Now, your gifts, the checks to their children have not gone out in the mail yet. They're going to go out this week. But we did get uh, an email from a family in Tennessee. Uh, they, they are home missionaries to Sevierville, Tennessee, Julio Jimenez and his family. And I want to read you this email that Brother Johnny received. It says, Brother Johnny, blessings. We are very grateful for the gift you want to give our family. I love this little part. He says, we do not know how this works. Adopt a missionary. We don't know how this works, but we have asked God for his provision for this Christmas, and I see that God is providing. Yeah, how about that? Amen. Amen. He went on to say, we bless you very much for this initiative and for having so much generosity with the servants of God and their families. Glory be to God. That's fantastic. I'm sure we're going to get many more letters from these home missionaries and their children. I was in Nashville, Tennessee this past week for uh, board meetings and, and also for the leadership conference. After one of the sessions, uh, a home missionary came up to me and said, Pastor Will, you don't know me, but last year, Kavanaugh Church provided Christmas for our children. And he says, I cannot tell you how big of a blessing that was.
was. My wife and I were in desperation, crying out to God, Lord, help us provide Christmas for our family this year. And then lo and behold, Kavanaugh Church came through. And I said, well, that's fantastic. Glad to hear your story. He says, no, I need to tell you what my kids did. They had several children. They pulled their money together. They all threw in their amount given by Kavanaugh, and and they they bought one of those, uh, what I tell you it was, the... uh, gaming console, I don't know which kind it was, gaming console with all the games. He said, it's been the best gift they've ever received. He said, it keeps them from fighting all the time, all right? So fantastic. I want to thank you for your gifts to adopt a missionary kid and helping our home missionaries. You know what? They're going to grow up knowing there is a church in Fort Smith who loves them, appreciates them, and prays for them. What a great church we're a part of, Kavanaugh Church. Thank you for your generosity. Y'all stand back up because we're going to keep singing. Oh. 
the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. you and I will sing the praises of your name O most high 
So why will we sing and why will we tell? Because the Lord is faithful yesterday, today, and always.
house this morning. Lord, we're thankful for this house, for this fellowship of believers. Lord, we're thankful for this season um, and for the celebration of a Savior. God, I just I pray that as your word is shared this morning, that you would open our hearts to exactly what you have to say to us, Lord, that we would, we would see who Jesus is and, and what he wants to do in our life. And God, I just pray that if anyone is here on the fence today, um, that today would be the day they would just say yes, that they would accept the gift and that they would see what you can do for them. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, praise team. Give them a big hand. Always do an exceptional job. Man, I'm glad that you're here today. What a great day to be in the Lord's house. Amen? Amen. Christmas is in the air. Boy, I tell you what, I can just smell it, can't you? Uh, Two weeks and Christmas is here. That freaked you out right there, didn't it? Because you haven't even started buying any gifts. Hey, on Christmas Eve, which is Sunday the 24th, We're inviting you to come to church a little early that day. We're only going to have one service. It starts at 10. But we need you here at 9.30. For what purpose? We're going to have cookies and coffee. And we want you to fellowship. And we've got the Christmas trees out there for you to take pictures in front of. But more than that, we want you here to be ready to worship at 10 o'clock with the entire Kavanaugh Church family. You're going to see people in that service you didn't even know went to Kavanaugh Church. They go to the 9 o'clock service. We also need you here early so that you can take your kids back to Brother Johnny so that they can in turn come in here. They're going to kick off our 10 o'clock service with a kids choir special. I'm so excited about that. And then we're going to enter into worship with both praise teams and a choir. It's going to be a wonderful day of worship on Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock, you'll be here at 9.30. Then at 4 o'clock, we're going to come back for a candlelight service. We did this last year. It was such a big hit. We're going to do it again on the 24th. Are you ready for that? Well, in, in preparing for this, we're preaching through the prophecies found in the book of Isaiah. We're learning what Isaiah said about Jesus 700 years before he was born. Today, we're going to talk about Hope has a name. Our hope has a name. You know, names and descriptions tell us something, don't they? Most parents spend a significant amount of time in thinking through what they're going to name their children. I've discovered we do this with our firstborn child the the most. Uh, Even before our first daughter came, Angie and I knew what we were going to name our first child. If that first child was going, would have been a boy, his name would have been William Rance Harmon. We knew if we were going to have a little girl, we were going to call her Whitney Renee Harmon. Do you notice something there? W-R-H. Why? Because my name is William Richard Harmon. 
and I wanted to keep those initials going. Angie was in love with me so much she didn't care if I got my way naming these children, and it, and it was a little girl. We named her Whitney. That name Whitney is named after my granddad, who was Richard Lawrence Whitmire, but everybody called him Whit, therefore we have a Whit in our family. The condition, con, that tradition continues on. Our, our second child came several years later. Uh, we knew we were going to have a little girl, and so we were kind of struggling over the name. It was either going to be Callie or Madison or Maddie, and, and we kept struggling. I'll never forget, we, we lived in Plano at the time. We were dra- driving down one of the Dallas toll roads, and Whitney was in the back seat, and we asked Whitney, Whitney, what do you want to name your new little sister? And she thought for a second, and then in that loud Whitney voice, she said, let's name her Delilah. That was a good choice, but we stuck with Callie, didn't we? A few years later, when we were here in Fort Smith, our our third and last child was born. Uh, We knew it was going to be a boy, but we, Jason, we were really struggling on what to name this kid. We had we had two pretty cool names, Zane and Eli, William Eli or William Zane. Really struggled, didn't know what we were going to name him. We thought, okay, we'll just we'll just go into the hospital knowing it's going to be one of those two names. He was born, we looked at him, and we still didn't know what we were going to call him, right? The second day after he was here, the nurse came in right before the nurse discharged Angie, and she says, okay, you two, I've got to have a name. And so again, we discussed it as a family, and we decided on William Zane Harmon, and the rest is history, all right? So a lot of thinking and preparation goes into naming our kids. Why is that? Well, because we know that a name is more than just what we call someone. Some of us are very strategic and specific when it comes to naming our children. And we're not the only ones who have done this. In Old Testament times, a name stood for a person's reputation, their fame, their glory. In fact, the the word translated name literally means a mark or a brand put upon someone. In the Old Testament, parents often gave children names to describe their hopes or their future expectations regarding that particular child. In fact, if you do a study of Bible names, it reveals much about the personality and the person bearing that name. For instance, David means beloved, and he was. Abraham means the father of a multitude. Jacob means deceiver. Isaac implies laughter. Moses means drawn out. And Jesus means Jehovah saves. You know, all these people proved true to their names, did they not? Today we're going to zero in on a fourfold name that was given to Jesus. And the interesting thing about this. This fourfold name was given to Jesus 700 years before he was ever born. We're going to see that Jesus is indescribably unique. Last Sunday, I started this series entitled, From Heaven to Earth. And we talked about Jesus as being the light of the world. We read about that in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. We discovered that out of our gloom, Jesus can bring gladness. And out of our darkness, 
Jesus can bring light, for he is the light of the world. With that as our context, we're going to move on to this second prophecy that is given in the book of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a very familiar Christmas passage. Here's what the Bible says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we preach about the name of Jesus, that as we lift up Jesus, you would draw everyone to Jesus this morning. Help us, dear Lord, see Jesus as he is. And dear Lord, I pray that we would break out and worship to him. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You know what, in this one verse, Isaiah 9, 6, we see the indescribable uniqueness of Jesus and really the core of what Christianity is all about. In the incarnation, which simply means God coming down to earth, in the incarnation, we notice both his humanity and his deity. This verse begins by saying, for unto us a child is born. That describes his birth as a baby, his humanity as a man. Jesus was 100% human. Just like you were human, Jesus was human. He became man so that he could identify with you in every aspect of your humanity. But it goes on to say, a son is given. To us, a son is given. That is, Jesus is God's son given as a gift to us. It tells us that he was not only human, he was divine. Jesus was 100% human man, but he was also 100% divine God. The child was birthed in Bethlehem, and the gift of God's Son was given to us. I appreciate the insight that one commentator made when he wrote, the Son wasn't born the Son eternally existed. The child was born, the Son was given. His humanity and His deity. You chew on that for a little bit. On top of that, the verse goes on to say, the government, get this, the government shall be upon His shoulder. The baby bundled in the straw holds the universe together. The one nestled on Mary's shoulders bears the world, the universe, on his shoulders. He is redeemer and ruler of the universe. Wow. And then here's this unique phrase. And his name shall be called. That phrase means he will justly bear his name. Technically, all four of these descriptions make up his name. Do you see that this is in the singular? It doesn't say names, plural. It says name. This is his name. And there's four characteristics to his name. 
This is his name. It, it kind of reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, which sometimes we mistakenly refer to as the fruits, plural, plural, fruits of the Spirit. No, it is the fruit of the Spirit. We can't just pick and choose like a buffet because it's the whole meal deal. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And thus, this is the name of Jesus. There are four characteristics to it, but this is the name of Jesus. He is all of these things. So this morning, we're going to look at his fourfold name. Now, I need to warn you ahead of time, while I was writing this, there were, there were moments in my study that I just, I just stopped and I broke out in praise and worship to God. In understanding who my Jesus is, I couldn't help but worship him. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen in this room or not, but it would be okay with me as, as I preach this message and tell you who your Jesus is that you just break out in worship too. It's good stuff. Do you remember back when you were in school? Did, did you learn anything in school? I really don't know that, that I did. You know, you're supposed to go to school for reading, writing, arithmetic. Those were not my subjects. My subjects were PE, recess, and lunch. Those are the things that I excelled in. Do, do you remember what a preposition is? A preposition. I, I remembered the little song about prepositions that my kids listen to on TV. I'm not going to sing that, but do you know what a preposition is? A, a preposition tells us where or when something is in relationship to something else. And I see a number of prepositions in our passage today. Listen to this. Jesus speaks to us. Jesus stands for us. Jesus sits near us. And Jesus is the only one who can satisfy us on the inside. Let me put it like this, church. Jesus is indescribably unique. So let's look at his name. Number one, he speaks to us as wonderful counselor. This title literally means he is a wonder of a counselor. The word wonderful means full of wonder, glorious, exceptional, astonishing, extraordinary. In Judges 13, 18, the angel of the Lord says, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is, there's that word wonderful. Psalm 77, 14, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And this adjective wonderful is coupled with the word counselor. He is a wonderful, marvelous, extraordinary counselor. That word means advisor or consultant. Now, I'm not an expert on anything, but I've lived 62 years, and I can tell you this, everyday life, your everyday life is filled with decisions, with details, and sometimes with disasters. Every morning you wake up, you have decisions to make. And you know what? Those decisions continue sometimes with me even after I've gone to bed and fallen asleep. I'm dreaming about them. Decisions to make. Your life is full of details. You have to, you have to fill in the blanks every day. Details. And sometimes out of nowhere, 
disaster strikes, and you've got to deal with it. That is why we need a wonderful counselor. Are you with me? We need a wonderful counselor because real life is filled with decisions, details, and disasters. David wrote these words in Psalm 16, 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. I would say to that who gives me good counsel. So what are some of the elements that make somebody a good counselor? Well, when we're in need, we want a counselor that, number one, is available. It's going to be there for us. Number two, that gives undivided attention to us. That is able to provide comfort while remaining confidential. And can tell us the truth about ourselves while giving us advice on what we need to change in our life. In short, we want someone as a counselor who has empathy, who has expertise, and who has real life experience. You with me? That's what Jesus is. He's wonderful counselor. Now, keep in mind, church, that as our wonderful counselor, Jesus is not someone who simply makes suggestions to you. He's not suggesting this, that, or the other. He's telling us, this is what's best for your life. And if you want what's best in your life, you will follow, follow this plan. You'll follow this word. You'll do as my Holy Spirit says for you to do. I appreciate what Tim Keller wrote in his book called Hidden Christmas. Tim said, when you come to Christ, you must drop your conditions. You have to give up on the right for you to say, I will obey if, or I will do this if. As soon as you say, I will obey you, Lord, if, that is not obedience at all. You, you are saying, you're my advisor, not my Lord. I will be happy to take your recommendations. I might even do some of them. And Tim Keller said, no, <laughs> no, that's not the way it works. If you want Jesus with you, if you want him as your counselor, you're going to have to give up the right to self-determination. You know what? That, that's what the Bible says that we have to do. We've got to give him everything, lock, stock, and barrel, and hold nothing back for ourselves. Nothing less will do. He is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So here's my question. After every one of these characteristics, I have a question for you. Here's the question. Is Jesus your wonderful counselor? Really, is he your counselor? Are you willing to follow Jesus Christ without any conditions? Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I lay my body on the altar of sacrifice. Jesus, I give you everything. You tell me what to do, and that's what I'll do. Lord, I'm having a problem in this area of my life. What should I do? And whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Lord, I'm having problems with, with my kids or my relatives or my family or my job. I need, I need you to tell me what to do, knowing full and well that when he tells you what to do, that's exactly what you're going to do. And he's not just the counselor for hire, doing it for pay. He is wonderful counselor. 
because he loves you. Number two, he stands for us as mighty God. He not only speaks as wonderful counselor. Number two, he stands for us as mighty God. The word mighty means strong one, powerful one, valiant one. In Isaiah chapter 9, the adjective mighty literally means the God hero. And Jesus is the superhero of Scripture today. David asked the question in Psalm 24, verse 8, Who is this King of glory? Well, he is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is profound in his counsel, and he has the power to accomplish what he wills. This facet of his name tells us Jesus is not only Son of God, he's also God the Son. The baby born in the feeding trough is also the King of glory. Or to say it another way, the humble carpenter of Nazareth is also the mighty architect of the universe. <laughs> Jesus can manage anything. Listen to me, Jesus can manage anything because he's mighty. He healed the lame, he healed the blind, he healed the sick. He calmed the raging storm. He brought Lazarus back from the grave. Therefore, he can do the impossible in your life and he can do it right now. He will give you victory over whatever you're struggling with. You let him, the mighty warrior, fight your battles as you honor him as your holy hero today. Worship him as your warrior and praise him for his power. Amen. Remember the words spoken by the angel to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 37? For nothing is impossible with God. I like the way Ray Pritchard put it. As the wonderful counselor, he makes the plans. As the mighty God, he makes those plans work. <laughs> Man. So are you trusting in your own strength? Or are you ready this morning to make him your mighty God? That's the question you need to answer. You got problems? Let me tell you, he can fix them. He's mighty God. He makes the plans. He can make those plans happen. So he speaks to us as wonderful counselor. He stands for us as mighty God. Number three, he sits near us as everlasting father. Now, I know for many of you, God seems far, distant, mean, mad, you, you have no trouble seeing God is powerful. You understand he spoke the word and the worlds came into order. You just don't know him personally. Just a few weeks ago, I talked to somebody who told me they, they saw God as big and mighty and mad at them. But you know what? That's not who God is. In Jesus, listen to me, in Jesus, God has come near you. 
In this third facet of his name, we see Jesus is everlasting, meaning he is before, above, and beyond time. This literally means that Jesus lives in the forever. He is everlasting. Isaiah 57, 15 put it this way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I will dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite one. He lives forever. I'm not going to go on until you say amen because that's good. He lives forever and he loves as a father. Christ is holy and human, dwelling on high while lying in the hay. And he sits near us. I heard a true story just this past week of a college student by the name of Bill. Let me try to describe Bill to you. He, he had a head full of hair that was always unruly. It just kind of, he didn't even try to comb it or brush it. It just kind of stuck out everywhere. I wished I just had hair. Yeah. He always wore a t-shirt that had one or two holes in it, and his jeans were full of holes. Did you know holy jeans are a fashion statement today? Yeah, cool. Never, never wore socks and shoes, always wore flip-flops. He would be best friends with Brother Nathan. I know that. <laughs> While he was attending university, he accepted Jesus as his Savior. Located right next to the school's campus was a church that had a great desire to minister to college students. They just didn't know how to do it, and therefore they were not effective. They did put a sign out front welcoming all the college students to their church, and one Sunday, Bill decided he would just go there. So he walked in late. The music had already started. He was wearing what Bill wore, holy t-shirt, holy pants, and flip-flops. His hair was a mess. It was one of these old shotgun-style churches with two sections and a center aisle right down the middle, and he came in the back door and started up the center aisle and couldn't find a seat. The church was full, and nobody scooted over for him, so he just kept walking down to the front. And as he was walking down the front, people started noticing him, and, and they got a little bit uncomfortable with his attire. And when he reached the front, because there was no seat, he just flopped right down there in the floor. Now, this was okay in a college fellowship, but let me tell you, it was not done in this church. The congregation became visibly uptight. Tension was filling, filling the air until everyone noticed that the eldest deacon in the church had gotten up from where he was seated and started making his way down the center aisle. This deacon was in his 80s. He was gray-haired, wearing a three-piece suit. He walked with a cane. And as he made his way down to the front of where Bill was, the, the congregation breathed a sigh of relief. And most of them were thinking to themselves, I'm glad somebody's going to tell this kid he can't sit there. Well, it took a little bit of time for the deacon to reach the young man. Again, the church became utterly silent except for the clicking of this deacon's cane on the floor. All eyes were focused on him. 
And when he reached the front, he just dropped his cane and with a great deal of effort, he got down and sat right beside Bill. And he looked over and he said, mind if I sit by you? You know, when I heard that story, I, I thought of two thoughts. First of all, that's what Jesus has called every one of us to do, to come sit by people. Let me tell you, can I tell you something? If you're going to minister to people, you're going to have to sit by them. And if we're going to be a church that reaches out to people who are different than we are, we're going to have to accept them and sit beside them. The second thing that came to my mind is, you know what? This is a picture of exactly what God did when he sent Jesus into this world. Jesus entered our world in order to sit down beside us and have a relationship with us. Jesus is a child and he is a son. He is also eternally, listen to this, he is also eternally like a father to us. So not only is he child and son, he is everlasting father. Now, I've been blessed to have a good dad. My dad is sick this morning, unable to be here, but my, I, tell you, I could not have asked for a better dad. My daddy, when I was growing up, he, know, he, knew, he knew when to hold them and when to fold them. That is, he knew when to hold me tight, and he knew when to fold me over his knee. I couldn't ask for a better dad. My dad was a man who loved his family. He loves my mother. He loves his children. He loves his grandkids, his great-grandkids. My dad is a miser <laughs> like you've never seen before, but he's also a giver. And if I had to write up a description for a perfect dad for me, it would have my dad's picture on it. I'm thankful God gave me the dad that I have. But some of you can't say that. Some of you don't even know your dad. He was an absent father. Or perhaps your dad died when you were a kid. Perhaps your dad was not a good father at all. Maybe he was the opposite of that. Maybe he was abusive and mean. And you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings in your heart and mind when I talk about your dad. You have just the opposite. If that is true for you, let me tell you something, friend. I hurt for you. And I'm sorry for you. But can I challenge you? If that's the kind of dad you had, you do not grow up and be the same kind of dad he was. If you had abusive, mean, bad parents, you don't do what you saw done in your home. You flip that screen. You become a good, godly mom, a good, godly dad. And base it on this. Look at me, church. Our Heavenly Father, even in Jesus Christ, is a God who loves you and cares for you and has compassion on you. He is an everlasting Father that wants to sit down right beside you and know you. Wow. He is your forever Father. 
He cares for you with compassion you can't even begin to understand. Psalm 103, 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So here's my question. For he sits near us as heavenly father. Have you put your faith in the everlasting father? And will you allow Jesus to sit next to you today? Number four, he satisfies within as prince of peace. In a recent article, John Stone Street said the following. Listen to this. He said, between 1959 and 2016, life expectancy in the United States has risen from 69.9 years to 78.9 years. We're living longer. But did you know, he wrote, that since then, the reverse has occurred? A new study paints a portrait of a society, our society, in deep trouble. He said, for the third year in a row, the average life expectancy in the United States has declined. As a recent Washington Post article describes, the causes behind this dramatic shift are things like suicide, drug abuse, and liver disease. These causes are summed up in the phrase, deaths from despair. Do you get that? Death from despair. In other words, we are facing an epidemic of young people who are giving up on life, sometimes before it really even starts for them. The same hopelessness leading to the uptick in deaths from despair is also driving what I call, John says, acts of desperation. We see this in our culture. In this category, I would put acts of mass violence, abuse, and the increasing numbers of young people willing to self-mutilate in a pursuit for their own identities. You know what it tells me? We're in a mess. Remember I talked about that last week. When I hear Christmas, I'm thinking of Christ mess. Christ, M-E-S-S, Christ mess. Why? Because God sent his son Jesus down into our mess. And life is a mess. Yet Jesus comes to us in our desperation with the promise, get this, of giving us peace. (laughs) Peace, peace on the inside. Why why do people abuse themselves? Why why is there deaths from despair? It's because they can't find what they're hungry for. They can't find what they're looking for. We, We put all of these synthetic things into our life hoping to satisfy and bring peace, but it never does. Only Jesus can do that. This phrase, Prince of Peace, can be translated, the prince who's coming brings peace. And that's what Jesus does. In the Bible, a prince was the general of the army and describes someone in leadership and authority. This this title, Prince of Peace, reverberated across the centuries and echoed its way through the halls of heaven, finally culminating in an expression 
of angelic adoration in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when the angels cried out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. Some of you have been looking for that all your life. You've been searching for elusive peace. If that is your case, I want you to hold on to Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because we trust in him. Really, the New Testament describes at least three different spheres of peace. First, there is peace with God. That, that is the vertical dimension. We're all looking for peace with God. The only way you can have peace with God is through a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. From birth, we are at enmity with God. We're warring against God. It's our flesh versus His holiness. We're seeking and desiring, and we need more than anything to have peace with God. You can have that through Jesus. And once you have obtained that, then you can have, number two, the peace of God. This happens internally. When our world comes into order, let me tell you, when you meet Jesus, everything makes sense. When you meet Jesus, all the struggle and strife ends because now you have his peace. And when you have peace with God and the peace of God, number three, you can enjoy peace with others. That happens horizontally. You know, I, I tell young people who are getting married or somebody in marriage counseling all the time, you know what? G Angie has Jesus inside of her. Don't you, Miss Angie? You, you do, okay, confirming that. She has Jesus living inside of her. I have Jesus living inside of me. So when Angie and I get into a fight or an argument, and don't worry, it doesn't happen often, but if we do get into an argument, it's either Will or Angie fleshly fighting with each other because Jesus doesn't fight with Jesus. So we have allowed something into our own hearts and lives that is separating us. In Jesus, there is unity. In Jesus, there is peace. And Jesus can put us together. Some of you are dreading Christmas. Why? Because you're going to be with relatives you can't stand. <laughs> oh, no. Got to go to there. Oh, no. They're going to be at my table. <laughs> you know what? Jesus wants there to be peace there, and there can be peace. Jesus has come to put us back together. Ephesians 2.14 states, For he himself is our peace. So here's this last series of questions. Are you out of sorts with God? If so, receive the Prince of Peace into your life and be made right with him immediately and you'll have peace. Number two, are you all shaken up on the inside? Is your life filled with worries and anxieties? If so, give all of those anxieties to the Almighty One and his unexplained peace will give you calm in your chaos. Boy, I've got to say amen because that's good. Some of you need that today. And then also, are your relationships with others severed? Well, why don't you do the hard work of being the peacemaker? 
He can be your Prince of Peace. Here's the incredible thing, church. Jesus was named 700 years before he was even born. That, that shows me he is indescribably unique. He speaks to us. He stands for us. He sits near to us. And he satisfies us on the inside. And the good news is, you can experience all of that right now. The even better news is that there is more to come. We get a taste of it today, but all of these titles will be fully realized when he returns to rule and to reign over all the earth. Jesus came in the cradle in order to go to the cross, but when he comes back, he's going to be wearing a crown. Wow. Look at Isaiah 9, 7, the very next verse in our passage. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time on and forevermore. And then I love the way this verse ends. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to do this. I mean, it's God's zeal. It's in his nature. He has an intense desire to be your God and your salvation. God is greatly desirous of seeing his plan of redemption accomplished in your life. Isaiah 9, 6 contains two prepositions which are followed by two personal pronouns. For to us, we actually see this repeated. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The gift of Jesus Christ is a personal gift that God has given to you. It's from heaven to you. You know what? A, a gift requires a response. If I put a gift underneath your tree this Christmas season, you may acknowledge it, you may admire it, you may even thank me for it, but it's not yours until you open it. <laughs> and God's given you a gift. It's his son Jesus. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Jesus is mighty God. He is everlasting father. He is prince of peace. And you can know and experience all of these things in your life today if you'll open the gift. If you've never done that, I invite you today to come to the altar and one of our pastors will help you invite Jesus into your life and receive God's gift to you. You know what, beyond that, if you are a Christian, you're going through life and life, life is tough. It's filled with decisions, details, sometimes disasters. And today you need help. You need help. Well, I can tell you, Jesus is your help. He is a wonderful counselor. He'll, he'll get you out of the mess you're in. You just come and ask for his advice. He, he not only can give you wonderful counsel, he is a mighty God. He can make all of those things come true. Nothing is impossible with God. He is an everlasting father who wants to sit down with you today 
and wrap his loving arms around you and give you what the world cannot give, perfect peace. So if you need Jesus, come on. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this indescribable gift that you have given. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus, your Son. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us as wonderful counselor. Thank you for standing beside us as mighty God. Thank you for sitting near us as everlasting Father. And thank you for satisfying us within with peace. Lord, there are people in this room who need Jesus in their life, and I pray that they would come today and receive your gift of salvation. For those of us who are believers, just struggling through life, needing some help, I pray that we would come to the altar today and pray and then see you work in our lives. Lord, more than anything else, help us to come today and just worship Jesus. I have done my best to lift up Jesus. He has been exalted in this room. And I pray, dear Lord, that as I have lifted up Jesus, you would draw men, women, boys and girls to yourself today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bound and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. As soon as they start singing, you step out. In fact, come on right now. Jesus is waiting for you. Come. Come to him now. Thank you, Jesus, for being for us. Thank you for being wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. 
Help us, dear Lord, to love you and live for you and tell others about you. Help us, dear Lord, as, as Christians to be the light of the world in this dark age. And as Christmas Day approaches, I pray that we would point the way for everyone to the light of the world. Thank you again, dear Lord, for who you are and help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Just have a couple of reminders for you before we leave this place today. If you're a member of Cavanaugh Church, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, please fill out one of those Connect cards. Take it to our Connect counter. Naomi's friends are going to be meeting tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Unisys for lunch and fellowship. Uh, Wednesday night, we've got church for all ages. Prime timers are going to meet Thursday at 1130. Our kids program, little kids program is going to be Wednesday night, the 20th. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. I'm so excited. It's a great program every year, and I know it's going to be fantastic this year. Remember Christmas Eve, December 24th, we're going to meet at 9.30, have one service that morning at 10 o'clock, and then come back at 4 o'clock for a candlelight service. Uh, Make sure you see Luke and Delaney and little baby Eden. Thank them for being in our service today. There's still time to give to adopt a missionary kid if you'd like to. Uh, Let me tell you, it is a blessing for our missionary families to receive this gift so you give liberally. One last thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't usually ask you for this, but I'm going to ask that you pray for your pastor tomorrow. That's, that's me, all right? So around noon, would you just say a little prayer for Brother Will? I'm going to go in uh, for my third surgery on this right eye tomorrow and uh, go to Rogers for the surgery. Uh, just pray that it be a successful surgery and I have a speedy recovery. Uh, I asked the doctor, I said, well, is it really necessary for me to have this surgery? He said, well, if, if you don't want to lose your vision, yes, you, you kind of need to have this surgery. So would you pray for me? I need more people praying than that. So well, thank you very much because you know what? I do pray for you. Love you guys. Hope you have a, a wonderful week. Get out of here. <laughs>